Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Nobody's Listening to This Music Podcast podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Eric. And today, we're talking about Paul's Boutique by none other than the Beastie Boys. Paul's Boutique. I think this is uh, this is definitely like up there in like one of my like just favorite general albums at this point. That's interesting. So, right off the bat, uh... What was uh, one really interesting fact to me yeah. about this record uh-huh. is that it falls, release date-wise, in between License to Ill, their yeah. first full-length record, yep. or record at all, yeah, which has which has the hits, mm-hmm. right? All the big ones, That's got yeah. Fight for Your Right, No Sleep, Paul Revere, Brass Monkey, you know. Mm-hmm. The classics. And then... I've never heard of any song on this record. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then right after this is what what records after this? Uh check your head. Right, which is the like the one of the other ones. Right, totally. And that one has like uh like uh what you want and stuff like that. Right. Which is so that's crazy, right? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, this one, you know, I, basically me too, like, going into Beastie Boys, like, so I read the book, and I'm going to keep talking about the book, and I talk about the book all the time. But You do. It seems like you you've have maybe have read one book really recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. That's super true. <laughs> and this is okay. over a year and a half ago now I read it. I still talk about it like I'm currently reading it. <laughs> Um, like, like it's on your nightstand and you're reading it like day to day. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seems but, like you're referencing it like an anthology, so it wouldn't surprise me if you keep going basically. back and reading like bits and pieces. Um, but uh, there it is. <laughs> it's um, right next to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I want to reference it during this episode. But, oh, that's true. But yeah, so like I kind of gathered that this was like their their best album like people say this is their best album um and you know similarly i was kind of like going into it i'm like oh i don't know anything off that one uh but i think now for whatever reason i i really i go back to this one the most uh that's interesting yeah it this to me uh solidified all of my ideas of the beastie boys yeah Cool. So, as far as I knew, mm-hmm. I was like, this can't be exactly right because everybody reveres them as, like, a great musical act, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I was in that space. I was like, what I think they are is a joke. Like, yeah, I yeah. think it's just, like, they're doing, like, a bit the whole time. Uh-huh. That's what I thought going into the record. Turns because out I wasn't bef- entirely wrong. Right. Yeah, and especially it is the record before very is much like a fully bit. like shtick. Yeah, like it, like the voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we all know how they talk. They don't talk like this. It's no, like they're no. doing a thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then like some of the lyrics are just so crass. Sometimes. Super super crass, super goofy, and like, dude. So like. All right. While we're still on this song, I'm gonna I'm gonna reference the book real quick because there's there's like a breakdown for each album. Not every song, but like highlight songs. Um, I think this is in the words of Mike D. Um, so yeah. shake your rump. All kinds of sampled funk bass lines and beats coming at you in stereo at a super fast pace, and even a bong rip that we recorded at a fancy Hollywood studio. Yes, we paid handsome amounts of money to record a bong hit in a fancy studio where certainly many bong hits had come before, but maybe none of them were recorded. Also, the dude that says, is your name Michael Diamond, was just a very tall messenger who happened to be delivering a cash advance to us at the studio. We would get so excited every time this would happen, even though it was our money. We would nickname the messengers Louie. Um, but the, 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 the crass thing, so like on the album before, they were like, it was kind of like they were doing a bit, like frat bro douche characters, basically. But then it right. turned into like 
they were doing that for years and they just became that basically um and there's like there's a picture in the book of like they just had a big inflatable dick on stage <laughs> like gigantic like hydraulic like i'm gonna i'm gonna find it at some point but uh yeah so very funny very funny for sure it like yeah i was like this is where i kind of gathered that the stereotype about white rappers kind of just being a joke it yeah, like, yeah. came from totally because these um. are correct me if i'm wrong uh three jewish kids from brooklyn yep that used to be in a punk band very true very true and they were just like we're gonna rap now yeah and it's it's funny because it's like they're really good at rapping and they did a lot for hip-hop like specifically like this album has like like the this was like peak like sample culture basically like this is like one one of the albums with like the most samples ever and after they made this album they were like all right that's about as much as we can do with samples like let's go play instruments now and then right like they mess around with samples and stuff but like it's most extreme here and their next few albums are like they learn to play the type of music they were sampling here which i think is really interesting and cool and like kind of wild how good they get like um but yeah so it is like them just rapping it all is like doing a bit like you know what i mean yeah because to up until this point there hadn't been anybody to do this specific thing yeah especially like uh, white white dudes rapping like that was pretty new still it's weird like how young rap music is like yeah these aren't these are not old men like they're they're like middle-aged dudes and they're like the first white rappers to be really big right well to be fair they're probably they're probably a little older than middle age now, right? They got to be getting in their like fifties, right? Yeah, they could, they, could probably, they could probably be up there like that, yeah. Because like, I know Eminem is like, he's like forty now. Yeah, that's true. And then wow, he yeah. came like, he came like okay. a cool like almost ten years after them. Yeah, yeah, ten or fifteen. Okay, I think. <laughs> took me forever to find this picture but uh where is it oh my god it's dead center <laughs> yeah that's huge that like is 25 such a feet. big is it inflatable yeah. like what, what yeah is yeah it? i think so inflatable hydraulic like a wacky like a wacky inflatable <laughs> waving arm tube man i think kind of situation. something like that yeah nice um yeah so, but, uh, obviously, the vibes that I got from this record was, like, like 80s and more 80s rap than 90s rap, really. Yeah, for sure. This is very, like, it sounded very New York to me. Mm-hmm. What's funny, too, is, so, like, they're, they're very New York, but this album and their next few are actually recorded in L.A., so they did interesting. They did license to ill in New York. And that's like basically like from childhood up to that album is like all New York. And then they like, there's some dispute between them, Rick Rubin and run DMC. I think like Def Jam, not paying them or something, you know, one of those. And then they were like, all right, we've like burned enough bridges now. And like done so much over here. Let's move to LA now. And then they're there for like years. Uh, so this is an LA album, but it uh, it still is very like New York. And like I think Paul's Boutique is like a store in New York and stuff. Yeah, he uh, when the guy calls and talks about Paul's Boutique, he does give a New York address. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, he gives a Brooklyn address, right? Um. um. I'm just vibing. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Um, 
one thing that I was trying to pick out the whole time I was listening to the record just because I was interested because I know that most of the drum stuff is sampled drum stuff. Mm. Um, so I was like trying to uh, figure out what the beginning and the end of the drum loops were. Gotcha. That's kind of, that's fun. It was like a fun game I was playing. Uh huh. Um. So, uh, I don't. How how does one broach the subject? Which one died? MCA. So he has the he has like the the raspier type voice. Yeah, I they think... all sound like pretty similar to me. Yeah, There's like yeah. the one guy who's his voice is like a little deeper. Yeah, that's MCA. Oh, okay. It's funny because, like, uh, I think he's, like, a couple. He might be, like, a couple years older. But, like, it's funny the way they talk about him is so, like, he is just, like, a magical figure to them, basically. And it's, like, I bet, like, part of that could be because he died. But, like, even still, it seems like they were still just so impressed by everything that he did, like, when they were kids, too, like, just like coming up with like like you know paul revere how it has like that reverse drum thing yeah so like he like mca figured out how to do that just like with reel-to-reel tape in his kitchen like looping tape around broomsticks and table legs and stuff and they're like and like in the book they're like and keep in mind like we don't have the internet he like somehow heard that Jimi hendrix did this type of thing and like figured it, it out on it. his own yeah like he's like like just figures stuff out like that uh and uh yeah it's like he's just like super cool and like um he ends up getting into like buddhism and like you know one of one of those types of musicians uh, who like finds yeah. himself and gets into like finds snowboarding God. and just yeah just like is like yeah very like a spiritual dude or whatever he like put together like charity concerts for like tibet or something i think um yeah it's it's nice to hear the way they talk about him it's it's weird like in the book like they really like they like barely even touch on his death is it's kind of weird but like makes sense too because it's just like you know their buddy and they don't want to talk about him talk about that part of him but like it's just like a really quick like well this was our last show we didn't know it was going to be our last show and then like he died and that's really sad he's our really close friend and blah blah, blah. and that was kind of it and then they just and that's that was toward like, basically kind of the end on. of the book yeah like didn't dwell on it too much it but, makes uh, sense because you kind of want to talk more about like the things that were accomplished yeah rather like, than have his Rather than have his legacy be the beastie boy who died young. Right. Totally. Yeah. Uh, in that like documentary thing that I was telling you, um, about like ad rock starts crying at that part. And I, I, I shed a tear. Did you? Yeah. That was, that happened. That happens every now and then. I can't remember which movie I cried at last, but it was definitely something stupid. Yeah, I've uh, I've just recently gained uh, the power of emotional intelligence, so I can I can cry now. <laughs> I still struggle with that on a day to day basis. Yeah, things are either funny or mad to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Um, I feel that. But yeah, so. The, the second I think of Beastie Boys is, like, I just think of, like, Sabotage and, uh-huh. like, uh, whatever the fuck that, the name of that song is, Intergalactic, whatever the name. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it might just be Intergalactic. Yeah, the hook is Intergalactic Planetary, but right, I, planetary I could have sworn it was just Intergalactic. But, like, that stuff comes to my mind and then right i just think about the fucking the whiny the whininess and i'm like okay Uh uh-huh yeah i'm oh i'm always just like almost over it the second they start rapping i'm like okay well (laughs) Uh uh-huh 
I love, for some reason, that's so, like, funny to me. Like, just how obnoxious they are. Yeah, it's, it's like, it's almost like, uh, like theater kid annoying. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, funny. speaking of theater kids, did you see that viral video that went nuts? And it, it was like, uh, a bunch of theater kids singing in a Denny's, like just being loud and no. fucking annoying. Dude, that's so theater kid to be at to sing at Denny's. It's like a like a restaurant, and they're all like stomping around and like dancing, like standing Ooh. on booths and stuff. What are you Glee or something? And it was uh, right when uh, all the like around the same time that the protests started, and uh-huh. people were like, "If this is a bunch of black kids, they'd all be dead." <laughs> yeah, but it was a bunch of white kids from fucking suburbia. So right. That's but funny. I watched it for... I clicked on it, heard the singing, clicked off of it. Like, uh-huh. it was like, ooh, ooh, like nope, nope, ooh, whoops. Uh-huh. Because it made me so angry. Yeah. To That's see. That's funny. Dude, here's... I'm just, like, looking through. I'm trying to find... So, there's this picture here. Of, yep. Of Ad-Rock asleep on stairs with uh, Mike D and... and uh, MCA awake and um, smiling at the camera. So yep. there, the story behind this one was like, uh, like so I think they dropped him off at a at a show, like he was just going to a show by himself, Ad Rock, and then they were supposed to come pick him up later that night, and they were oh like, and they just late. didn't yeah they just didn't so he like went and got like a forty somewhere at like a at a gas station or something and was just like hanging out like in a park near the venue and just like he just passed out on these stairs and they like remembered the next morning and like and just found him asleep (laughs) oh that's pretty good look at this too this this like pool picture so i guess what's going on very never mind of them i know right um but so they they were staying when they moved to LA in this house that they called uh, G Spot, I think. Nice. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. That's funny. I wonder if I connected that before. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just feel dumb that you like didn't yeah. connect that immediately. <laughs> just saying it out. I'm like. Yeah, yeah, good name, I guess. Um, yeah, okay. Oh, it's like where the G's hang out. It's the yeah. G spot. Yeah, the G spot. But I guess it's like a, a mansion like a the, of the Grassendorf family, I think is what they're called. Uh, but so, like, one of their bedrooms was like, you know in, um, what's the movie? Fifty First Dates? Yeah. Where, uh, like, there's that room and then, like, there's the big pool window. So, like, yeah. Ad-Rock's bedroom was, like, on the side of the pool. Okay. And then, and then so, like, uh, in that part in the book, they're saying how MCA would, like, jump in the pool in the morning and, like, bang on his window to wake him up. Um, which seems just like a real fun way to live. And I guess they had a lot of, like, this the the family that the, of the house they were staying at, like, had like a locked closet that they like weren't supposed to go in and they're like so you know naturally if somebody tells you there's a locked closet that you can't go into you're gonna end up you go into the locked closet and then they grab the in in the closet there's like a bunch of like 70s clothes like like this um just nice the woman's clothes the jamiroquai hat (laughs) yeah yeah and they're like they're like and keep in mind like the 70s weren't that long ago so it wasn't like cool and like retro yet it was just really ugly to wear stuff like that and then like in this outfit they're talking about like going to some party and like bob dylan is there and like mike d goes up to talk to bob dylan like wearing this outfit and like it's like uh all right dude yeah cool (laughs) (laughs) it's like a whole all right 
all right, man, relax. Yeah, there's like a whole script of their conversation there. Um, and then they're wearing a bunch of those clothes in like the music videos for this. There's like the the song after this one, "Hey Ladies." Uh, yeah, I think that's at that house, and they're like wearing a bunch of '70s stuff. It's funny how when you make money as a rap artist in the '80s and '90s, you could like afford to like have a mansion. Yeah, totally. And now, like, rappers have their mansions and cars bought by a label so that they can look like they have a lot of money. Uh huh. When in fact they're making. Bro, I saw so the other day, Tyler Carter from Issues posted uh, on his story like he was like not really trying to flex on y'all, and then it was a thing from his management team. And it was his stream revenue. Uh-huh. And it was for the month, it was 35 fucking cents. No. Yeah. That's why people complain about their Spotify revenue, huh? He was literally like, uh, he's like, I don't mean to flex too hard, but everybody's been home listening to music. And uh, Damn, I made dude. 35 cents. That's insane. So, like, to think that every time somebody bought this Beastie Boys album, it was like, 10 bucks yeah and half of that went to the label and the other half went to the band that's so much more money yeah and then you sell what a couple million records right that's so that's just an ungodly amount of money that's wild yeah and then it is funny how much like when you think of like old old musicians or, or rappers or like and where these like stereotypes and like images come from and stuff and like I think even on even on their first album they like talk about like guns and like shooting people. And, yeah, like, there's a lot of drugs and guns in this right. record, and, which like, is interesting. But even then, like they like talk about how they were like, yeah, we didn't have guns, like. Like, it's just all, like, it's just all, like, image all the time. And it's, like, okay, like, I think to a certain extent. And, like, I I forget where I read this or heard this. And I kind of don't fully. I'm not going to say that I agree with it or disagree with it because I'm just not knowledgeable enough, I guess. But, like, the idea that uh, License to Ill was sort of the birth of gangster rap. Um with like that type of like right like like lyrical t- content you know and like i guess math wise if that's 87 that like kind of like before that like they were hanging out with like run dmc that was like the big uh you know rap group at the time and it's like i don't know how much they rapped about that stuff and then next i would think of like dr dre like snoop dog tupac like but I think that's a little bit more late 80s, early 90s. So I guess there, like, could be some truth there. But also it feels like that that feels like one of those things of, like, trying to credit, like, right. a very black thing to, like, the couple white dudes who did it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, they just, like, happened to be, like, doing a bit about rap. So they were yeah. like, we're going to rap about guns, hookers, uh-huh. and drugs. Yeah. Like, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Because that's the bit. Right. And then, like, then Dre, Snoop Dogg, Tupac, Biggie, uh-huh. Suge Knight, like, yeah. then they all did it. And everybody's like, well, these white guys. Yeah, yeah. These and white guys like, who are, uh, per- uh, what is it, uh, perpetuating a stereotype. Uh-huh. Fucking. Yeah, yeah. Fully. And it's like, uh,. Yeah, I, it's like I those guys actually were were living that life, and then like right. Beastie Boys are just like, Doing hey, isn't this kind of funny? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> isn't it funny for me to whine on a microphone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This uh. one, hey ladies, this one's one of my favorites. This one and Shake Your Rump are my two favorites on this album, and I think they're very similar. They got this like kind of seventies groovy kind of thing going on. Yeah, I, uh, they, the songs all, like, kind of started blending together to me, because it's just, it's, like, 
a beat that's yeah. just like so that's the that's the part that's the thing that's happening yeah and then it's just them all rhyming too many things together uh-huh yeah after so and like i said last time i was kind of like oh after a certain point when you get to like the b-boy bully bass like i kind of stopped listening around there at oh least, yeah i only got like halfway through that stuff before i was like all right i'm done yeah i don't uh, need to listen to this anymore so this little bit this here, fucking song the five feast <laughs> chicken dinner just yeah just shredding a banjo uh-huh there's oh man now i lost that page with like the notes on the songs but this is another one that they they broke down a little bit i'll, I'll try to find that real quick it's just banjos <laughs> and them yelling just nonsense he says you know what i am proud of this cut not because we spent so long making it weaving in intricate ideas or because we spent days on lyrics there are none it's just that this idea is so damn stupid and juvenile and we did it and it's super <laughs> short and kind of great and starts off side two of the vinyl version. So there. Yeah, I mean, that that song's going to be like, what, one full rotation of the yeah of the <laughs> record? <laughs> just one it's, groove. It's literally, it's like 30 seconds long. That's funny, dude. Um, I love that. This one, this song reminds me the most of the album before. How it's kind of like that, like, kind of metal sounding guitar, you know? Sample yeah. And, like, which... and it, like, slower and then, like, mm -hmm. a very specific type of rhyme scheme and... Yeah. Uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? Vocal rhythm. Yep. And it feels a little bit more aggressive looking down the barrel of a gun like there's that like kind of you know that that angle again it's funny because like so you know fight for your right or li license to l and like those songs like that and stuff it's funny because like they're coming from like hardcore world and like i feel like it's the kind of thing where things definitely blend together a lot more now but i think for like purists it's still very different but like yeah. They, when they're talking about like uh, license to ill and, and like that time they're like like we were hardcore kids so like metal to us was like whack like that though like like now I feel like we kind of oh, like lump, yeah we like lump that together as like heavy music but like I think but for at the a lot time of people, they didn't yeah and like so even though it's like such a defining sound for them to like have like you know like. I don't know, like Zeppelin samples or ACDC or whatever, whatever they're, you know, stuff like that. Like, um, that's all Rick Rubin, which is right. Why, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause he's like a metalhead, So that, that's why already by this album, it's way more like, not only is he stuff. a metalhead, but I think he produced Slayer too. Isn't that one of his things? Oh, yeah, probably. It's crazy how much he's like, just like a legendary like hip hop producer though like yeah he was doing like a lot with like metal and thrash beforehand though yeah yeah it's uh, because he did both run dmc and the bc boys right like that's i think so what did it i think that's where the connections come from yeah i think he's just a legendary music producer in general yeah just a music guy i and it's funny like like we do talk about how like in like recently in our world musically that stuff blends together a lot but like that's that's mid 80s and that's already like you just see how close mm -hmm. the worlds really are yeah producing now is such an interesting role mm -hmm. like being a producer back then didn't really necessarily even mean you had to be the engineer uh-huh like the guy who was recording everything, right. but generally now, especially with the stuff that we listen to, like most of it is either self-produced, self-recorded, or yeah, it's done with a producer who also happens to be the engineer. Like yeah, Will Yip, uh, mm -hmm. Putney, yeah, yeah, uh, Adam Goldman, Adam D, 
A lot of right. Adams and Wills. I wonder how much of that is kind of like, who, who's Will Putney? Where is that name from? Will Putney does like a bunch of metalcore stuff. He did gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Nothing Left to Love by Counterparts and most recently did Brain Before Pain you're Before You're Strong. There we go. Um, I wonder how much of that is like, again, in our world of music. <laughs> In our world of music, um, like, I'd imagine there's a lot smaller, like, budgets and stuff. And, right. like, and especially, I feel like in, in old music industry, there's just money flying all around, and that's, Literally, like, people are just throwing money at shit. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> okay, let's give the Beastie Boys, like, all this money because they wrote fucking Where's yeah. Your Head At? Right. And now people are like, want it. Uh-huh. So hold yeah, on, yeah. here's a couple million, a ridiculous studio, the best producers money can buy, uh-huh. engineers out the fucking wazoo, don't have a sample that you want, don't worry, we'll clear it. Right, right. That too. Uh, now I, uh, I kind of forget where I was going, but I, I want to skip to that point that about the... Um, about sampling, I forget which song it, it is. If we may have passed it already, um, but they, uh, damn, there's so many samples on this. But there's one mm-hmm. song specifically where they like sample like two Beatles songs. Um, oh yeah, that's like a big no-no. Yeah, like and I think the Beatles don't clear sampling. Right, and like even to use their songs in something is like so expensive i think there's one just one single use at least as far as i know of a beatles original track in tv and it was in mad men um like and there's yeah so that's a few years ago that's like i think it happened in like didn't paul mccartney like buy all the rights or something like that something ridiculous like that like Probably, Paul McCartney yeah. owns the Beatles catalog now. I wouldn't doubt it. Like, and it's like, it's like him and Michael Jackson, who were the only two artists that were living that owned their own entire catalog. I, I, I don't know specifically, but that sounds very believable to me. Um, because yeah, they're they're like, I think because they got like so screwed originally with like like losing money and like they mm-hmm. like should have probably been like i'm sure they're wildly wealthy still even still but like they should I, have been way more rich and like i know for a fact that uh paul mccartney's like worth more money than god himself <laughs> yeah yeah totally like but, uh, that man has so much money it's mm-hmm. unreal and, and it's like just from beatles residuals and like yeah Paul Mc- well, granted, Paul McCartney did a lot of stuff by himself that's was like pretty successful. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think so. I took a, a hip hop history class, which I wish I uh, retained more from. But I feel I was so like it was honestly so much work. Like this teacher kind of was like really <laughs> yeah. It was like it's a hip hop he was... history class, and they were like, "Okay, we'll write a ten-page paper," and you were like, "Come on." Yeah, I kind of feel like he like wanted to make it feel like more like some legitimate like scholarly class, like almost like right. he had something to prove about it. But like, we had to like constantly like read stuff, and like you know, like annotated bibliographies. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, where you like source stuff and comment on it. Like, something like that. I don't know. But we were, like, reading, like, dense literature and, like, having to take, like, 20 scholarly notes on it, basically. And it's, like, it isn't even, like, a... It was just, like, I don't know. It was kind of lame. But It's just, like, this is, like, vaguely about hip-hop now. This is, like, a... Yeah. This is an an English class that's rap-centric. For sure. For sure. But we watched this, like... um, documentary about like sampling and how like this album which is 89 and there's mm-hmm. also another another album by de la soul also 89 which 
in 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 my in my world this is like the sample album but it sounds like that one's also pretty much like the same thing where like mm-hmm. after those two albums came out like people started getting so upset by um like not getting kickback for their music being used again and somebody else making money off of it that like these albums kind of started like needing to clear samples and like paying for yeah. them and stuff you like can't that. like you can't use anything now without clearing yeah. samples yeah. youtube and even in our uh little experiences with it yeah youtube will find it no matter how quiet right so fast no matter how so fast too like instantaneously yeah crazy um and on their uh on their last album like their most recent album the bc boys Mm -hmm. um hot sauce committee part two uh nice (laughs) yeah um they it's all they didn't they didn't actually sample like other people's music they like wrote songs and then made up fake names fake album art fake song titles and like cut samples out of music that they made and like pretended they were all from somewhere else interesting yeah and they were like and we didn't just like you know hit like three chords and call that a sample there's like there's intricacies of like oh was there like a a pop on the on the vinyl that you heard like going into it or like a like you know on the ins and outs of samples there's like weird little half noises or whatever whoa, and they're whoa. like so they like they took made all those songs and then pressed them individually to vinyl i don't know if they did that much but like the characteristics of those sounds oh they, okay i was going to say christ almighty no 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 but they were but like way, they were like no yeah. no no it's got to be a real sample uh-huh yeah yeah so like yeah they like went to great lengths to make it sound like they pulled it off of old records and then it's funny cuz like in the book adrock's like and not a single person noticed or said anything about that to me and if anybody says that if anything if anybody says anything about that to me now after the book comes out it doesn't count at all so like <laughs> He's like, this is the coolest thing we ever did, and nobody said anything, and, like, you don't get the credit for thinking it's cool now. Um, <laughs> Just because he was like, we did it. It took so much time. Yeah. Like, it was hard. Uh-huh. And all no wa- credit. Z- and get no respect. Uh-huh. But, like, yeah, so there's, like, a bunch of, like, there's they credit you know in the liner notes like where those songs are from and it's all made up and also it's called so that album like i said is called hot sauce committee part two mm-hmm. um and they don't have hot sauce committee part one but they that's recorded what i was it. hoping you would tell me yeah 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 so they recorded a whole album and lost the hard drive in a cab hell and, yeah uh, yeah no backed up files nothing i, for, I forget like how why there was no backups or whatever but like there's like some lost album i think that's probably fake i feel like that's not real okay when um, when, <laughs> when did they when did they uh when was hot dog committee sauce party supposed to come out 2011 the first one oh i don't know when the uh, first one was supposed to come out but the second one did come out in 2011 or the one the album so this song is called in the early two thousands. I can I can understand. Yeah, I can yeah, I can yeah. understand not having duplicate files because storage was finite at the time. Right. Yeah. Uh, it would take me forever to actually find them talk about that story, but I, now I am curious again what what happened to it. But so this this song is called Shad Rock, and this one this one they also wrote notes for. They said uh, this is this is in the words of Ad Rock now. Allegedly, a very long time ago, there were three. There were these three Jewish dudes who would not bow down to a golden idol in the image of Nebuchadnezzar, the new king of Babylon. He was super pissed, and a lot of people got jealous of the three dudes. So the king threw them into a fiery furnace. They were like, "Fuck it, go ahead, throw us into the fiery furnace." 
God will make this right. We don't care about your, your bullshitty golden statue, and besides, we prefer the warm weather anyways. When the king looked upon them in the fire, he saw that they were not only still alive, but they were singing songs, and a fourth band member had joined them amongst the flames. None, of, none other than Jesus Christ himself, the <laughs> king. Being a total star fucker was like, Jesus get those Christ. dudes out of the fiery furnace. Um, and I think basically that connects to their story of being screwed over by Rick Rubin, being moving to L.A. Um, right. and uh, becoming a new a new band out of the flames or whatever. Um, so, so now we're on to. B boy, bolognese, yeah. Would you which like is to like, switch over? Which might as well be a second album that's just yeah. tacked onto this one. I think they said that they wanted this part to be like the back, the B side of Abbey Road, how it's just a medley but a rap version. Okay. Let's switch over to check your head for the last couple minutes here. Maybe. Uh, Gratitude. Start on gratitude. Uh, hold on one second. Okay. Let me know when you're starting. I was kind of thinking, like, I, I like this episode, okay. and I like that, that we did this album. And Shake like I said, head. I think it and is. And then you said start where? Gratitude? Yeah. All right. Um, I think, I think, like I said, that Paul's Boutique is my favorite of theirs, but I also really love this album, and I... I kind of was like, oh, maybe I should have asked him on the last one if he wanted more sample-based or more instrument-based. But uh, I really like this direction that they went with, like, just, like, you know, killing it on instruments and, like, kind of singing and, like, stuff like that. Yeah. I don't really... I don't know really anything off of this record either. Yeah. Like, so I'm just, some let, range, me sift, you know? let me sift through the songs real quick. Yeah, yeah go good old-fashioned none I know off uh -huh. this one. Uh, really what it comes down to with old stuff mm -hmm. or older stuff like this is uh, whether my dad liked it or not. Yeah. And my dad definitely didn't like Beastie Boys, so I, I wasn't ever really exposed to it. Right. I feel like a lot of their, like, for the longest time, I, like, I just liked them from hearing them on the radio as a kid. And, like, they're, like, goofy and animated and, like, silly sounding. So I, I like, enjoyed it even as a child. But that was, that was, like, their big songs. Like, the top tracks on Spotify, like you said, are, like, Sabotage, Fight for Your Right, Intergalactic, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, Brass Monkey. But, like, I feel like, yeah, Sabotage is from... Uh, Ill Communication, which is the album after this. Intergalactic is from the album after that. Um, so it's like kind of funny. It's like they're they're like big radio singles that I'm familiar with. I guess makes sense. Was the stuff that was actually coming out when we were kids. Right. Yeah, they were like they were doing like Weezer Green Album stuff by the time that we were like yeah. ready to listen to music. Right. I feel like I'm basically... Oh, one th cool thing that in, in this book, too, uh, Ad-Rock has, like, these playlists, like, mixtapes that he, like, outlines that were just, like, tapes he would listen to in his car. Okay. And those are also very good. Those are on Spotify. There's one called Toyota Corolla Mixtape. Um, nice. And it's... it's Yeah. It's funny, too, because, like, like you're saying, like, they're like rappers with a bunch of money. Clearly they're like blowing a bunch of money on like mansions and expensive bong rips in the studio and stuff. But then like this, like the idea of this mixtape is he's like, Oh, I was like driving around and like my girlfriend's beat up Toyota Corolla. Like he's not even driving his own car at this point. Like, and like, <laughs> I just love that turnaround when like, when celebrities are like, I don't even care to use this money anymore. Like, I'm just gonna keep using this. Just car gonna with be like a regular trash lining guy. the floors and stuff. Yeah, that's funny to me. But yeah, those playlists. Just are like cool. kind of, 
kind of just being a bum instead of like yeah yeah driving a lamborghini or something uh-huh that's the point that I, that's that's where i want to be where i just like have enough money where i could have nice things but i decide to still just have low maintenance uh trash in my life yeah i don't know if i'll ever get there yeah i yeah, think i think it, it, if i had the money i think i'd just have the nice thing yeah yeah, you got to go through a few, a few, a few stages of, of that uh, that scenario to get to really get there. Um, this song's dope too. Lighten up, very groovy. Did you have a favorite song on on Paul's Boutique? Uh, other than uh, Five Piece Chicken Dinner, <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if I did. Yeah. They're all they're, that's whatever, dude. Um, they're all just they felt like kind of similar to me to where I couldn't like, I couldn't pick out anything. Uh huh. I've only listened to it like twice. Yeah, I feel that. So it would uh it would take me a couple more listens to like really lock down something that I was feeling good about or like really liked. Yeah, I feel like I noticed that a lot on the episodes where you give me stuff to listen to where I'm kind of like the first like the first couple times I'll listen I'm I'm just like getting used to hearing it which is just you know how yeah. music works in general but it's 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 almost like we could do like I, I guess I guess I could just listen more within the span of a week but uh, yeah it's like to, to really have like a, a bigger opinion on it um, it takes a few more listens for sure Uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, well, I think that's that's about all I gotta say about it. Yeah, Sam. Do you have any you have any closing Beastie Boys anecdotes you'd like to give? I, I, I should have I should have made a list beforehand. You're uh, gonna bring up Beastie Boys <laughs> within the next like six or seven episodes, anyways. So. Yeah, I'll just like start rereading the book and be like. <laughs> I'll just half of every episode has like a Beastie Boys section. Oh, Beast so Beastie Boys stands for they're also not the Beastie Boys, it's just Beastie Boys. But to just to cap off, Beastie stands for Boys Entering Anarchistic States Towards Inner Excellence. <laughs> boys. That sounds like such a bullshit thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's I like that's real not that real. That's what <laughs> they, they came say. up with. The, they came up with that on the back end. I. Because <laughs> can you imagine being like fifteen years old and you like make that, uh, you know, anagram your your uh, your band name? That's right. Uh, You're like boys entering in our states. Yeah. Funny dude. Oh man. Well. Yeah. I guess technically I have to assign you a record now. Right, yeah. Um I don't really know, so you're going to have to give me a a moment here. Have we done any post-hardcore stuff? Not really. We did like Under Oath. No. We did Under Oath, but that hardly counts. Uh let's do uh, let me see here. I gotta. I just gotta look it up to make sure I get the name of it right. Okay. There's also some funny story in the book. I'm gonna say it now. To this is like a little teaser because I'm gonna. I'll have to reread it to really remember it. But there is this story about. Also, like I said, there's a documentary on Apple TV Plus called The Beastie Boys. Story. I think there's the Beastie okay. Boys book, and then there's Beastie Boys Story, which is basically an abridged version of like they did like a book tour basically and like gave like an abridged version of the book in like live performance style yeah um and i think like jonah hill and spike jones produced and directed it um it's pretty cool yeah super cool but so that's like cool to check out but there's this story on um in the book about like damn i really forget it i shouldn't have brought it up at all but Nah, I'll find it. I'm going to say it later. I, I forget too many details now. But that's a good documentary to watch. 
Sounds good to me. Kill time while you look stuff up. up. Well, I I already looked it up. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna give you "Wake" by Hail the Sun. Wake by Hail the Sun. Okay. I've definitely told you about this record before. Yeah. And like, you've heard singles, but this is like, this yeah falls on like the heavier side of post hardcore, and the singer plays drums, so that's pretty cool. Oh wow. Funny. And he does very challenging vocal things and very challenging drum things all at the same time. And That's it's dope, very dude. impressive. I think that we had, in the beginning of, beginning of quarantine, we were really kind of just like uh, floating in the breeze looking for, for how we, for some reason, even though it didn't really change much about the podcast, that we were like, what do we do right now? And then we did that. Right that one where we were like just sending each other YouTube videos. And I don't think that mm-hmm. ended up coming out at all, but um, no. I remember Drunked you it. showing me. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a mess, but uh, yeah, once we, I'm, uh, we've been birthing this idea of, uh, of like a live stream kind of situation. So yeah, we might do like a live stream toward sort of scenario and put the audio out from that. Mm-hmm. But just kind of like push people towards uh, watching a YouTube or whatever. But yeah, I think that idea could work. But but you showed me Hail the Sun on that one. Yeah, that was uh, that's where I know the singles from. Very good. Well, anyways, this has been the Nobody's Listening to This Music Podcast. I've been Andrew. I've been Eric. And I have to squirt. What you gonna do?